We're here to talk about uh, 12 days of fasting. Um, so I am going to interview uh, Carissa. Um, it's such an exciting ministry, uh, such an exciting thing when God moves in the church uh, to make the prayer life of the church more robust, to make uh, even fasting, a fasting ministry is incredible to see um, rise up. And so Carissa um, has been at the forefront of that. And so um, I just start with asking you, who are you and how long have you been a refuge? So I'm Carissa, and I look at you, right? Look at, you can look for it. <laughs> um, I'm Carissa, and I have been coming here to Refuge with my husband and two kids, two boys, for almost five years. So we first came when my little Elijah was six weeks old. So that's us. That's awesome. Uh, so tell us about 12 days of fasting, I mean, even before it was even called that, uh, yeah, how did it all start? And if you could tell us a little bit about uh, the ministry. So I'm definitely not a expert on fasting at all up until about two months ago. I p- could probably count on one hand the amount of times that I have fasted, but it was maybe two months ago, where Char preached a sermon, and I don't even remember what he talked about, but I was really convicted, and I knew that God had been speaking to me about fasting, and I kind of just was, you know, trying to ignore it, because I really, really, really like food, and it's really hard to fast, so, um, so I wasn't really paying attention to that, but then just this one sermon, I was really convicted, and God had really been speaking to me that I was um, kind of ignoring this work that he wanted to do in my heart, and I was distracting myself with other things. And so I um, remember I went back, my husband was on prayer team, so I went back, got prayer, and I said, I need, I need to fast. So I started fasting once a month, or once a week, um, every Monday, I just started fasting, seeking the Lord, and it has been, I've been walking with the Lord for about 14 years now, and it has been the most incredible thing that I have ever done in my walk with the Lord, so. Yeah, fasting is one of those things that we can just overlook, right, or just kind of skim over, maybe put it off, things like that, so yeah, it's incredible. I've had that that many times before as well. Uh, So, what is, you've told us a little bit about uh, how it began, how God stirred your heart. Tell us about the ministry. Tell us about what we're launching here in the new year and what 12 Days of Fasting is. Um, so we came up with 12 Days of Fasting. It was initially going to be for our prayer team. I'm the prayer team lead here at Refuge. And so I had sent an email out to um, just all the prayer warriors that we have and everyone that serves on the prayer team, and just ask, like, hey, do you want to join me in just fasting once a month and just seek the Lord, saying no to, like, our physical flesh, our hunger, and just, you know, seeing what the Lord has for us and for our church um, in this season. And so, and then when I talk to you, you're like, well, let's open it up to the whole church. And so we got together, and kind of 12 days of fasting was born. So we will be fasting as a church Um, It's an invitation for you to join us in fasting once a month for the first Tuesday of every month. So we will have a theme and we will have, you know, just a verse so you can kind of center that month on things to specifically pray for. So um, our first one is June 8th. So this is the only one that won't be the first Tuesday of the month. It will actually be the second Tuesday, um, since the first Tuesday is New Year's Day. So um, it's going to be June 8th. And um, oh my gosh, January 8th. Thank you. Thank you. January 8th. And um, so we have flyers here that are at the information station, and then it will tell you just for this month or for next month, January, what we'll be, we, we will be fasting for. So it's um, your personal walk with Jesus. And the verse is Psalm 139, 23 through 24. And it says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any grievous way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. So it would be awesome if that if we could all just come together and just pray and ask the Lord to examine our hearts and see if there are any 
lies or any sin or any distractions that we need the Lord just to bring up in our lives so that we can walk in the fullness of what God has for us. As I was praying yesterday just for our church, um, the word just like freedom kept coming to mind. And then you prayed it this morning as well. And I believe the Lord has wants us to walk in freedom, and there are things that we are being shackled to. There are things like whether they're sins, whether they're insecurity, whether it's fear or failure, or whether it's just we're just distracting ourselves from a greater work that the Lord wants us to do. Um, I believe that we need to really seek the Lord on that, and we need to walk in the fullness of what he has. And When we are fasting, the Lord just does this almost like, I don't know, mysterious, miraculous thing where, you know, we're saying no to to our physical hunger and we're like, you know, as much as like, I am so hungry right now, but God, I want you more. Like, I need you more. I am desperate for you to come and do this work, and I'm desperate for you to, you know, come bring up sin and um, so that I can just walk in that fullness. Um, uh, I always think of the verse, um, Psalm 63. Um, where it says, um, earnestly will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you in this dry and weary land where there is no water. And when I fast, it's like that is my heart, where I am so thirsty for the Lord and hungry for him. And like nothing else matters except for me just wanting to enter into the Lord's presence in just a way that is so hard to manifest um, if I'm not fasting. And, you know, later on in this psalm, um, he says, your steadfast love is better than life. And that's such a hard thing to say. I feel like I just get distracted and it's like, hmm, do I really believe that your steadfast love is better than life? But when I'm fasting, like, my soul is so satisfied in the Lord. And, um, you know, later on that psalm, too, it says... um, I am satisfied as in fat and rich food. And yeah, it's like I am so hungry, but my soul is satisfied. And so I am just really, really excited for what the Lord is going to do in this next year as we start year of biblical literacy, as we're praying together as a faith family and we're reading the word together. And then as we are fasting together collectively, just I know that there's going to be a powerful move of the Holy Spirit that comes and moves in our church. And I think the biggest thing is, like, are we ready for that? Are we preparing our hearts for this work that God is going to do? And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm just so excited. That's awesome. If, well, we can tell. No, we're, we're excited. We're excited with you. Um, yeah, oh, fasting is incredible. It's so multifaceted. Um, and I, the, I can just agree with you. The times that, that I've fasted, spent you know a few days in fasting, the blessing that comes from it, the clarity that comes from it, uh, like you said, the hunger for God's word, the hunger for God. Um, it's really it's been a tool for God to guide me uh, in the steps that He has for me in so many different ways. Um, so, what would you say to um, this large crowd of people out here uh, that that may be on the fence? How how can um, what what have you experienced so far uh, in your fasting that that would um, encourage people to to join in this ministry of prayer and fasting? Um, so, I first did want to say that I know there's a lot of nursing mamas in here and pregnant mamas and you should not fast, or that's, I I don't think you should, Um, and if there are other things that might be going on, like different health stuff, or addictions, or something like that, um, like food addictions, um, it's something that you really need to pray about, and seek the Lord on, Um, but I know that there are plenty of people here that can fast, and do have the ability to do it, and I would just say, do it, it is, hard and it's something like when Monday comes around I fast with Marisa and both of us just say like we are so excited to fast and see what the Lord is going to speak to us on and to have that clarity of mind and just to have that hunger and thirst for God like Char had talked about in one of his sermons he had um 
his grandfather was part of the revival, the Jesus revival that happened in SoCal. And he had said that people were so excited to come to church because they didn't want to miss out on what God was going to do. And I feel like that's how I enter into fasting. Like, I don't want to miss out on what God is going to speak to me on and what, how he's going to work and what strongholds he's going to break me free of because that's what the Lord has been doing the past two months is breaking me free of strongholds that the enemy has had me just shackled to, like these chains. And I feel like I am walking in freedom and walking in healing. And I want that for everybody. Um, you know, taste and see that the Lord is good because he is so good. And again, just when you fast, there's just this incredible just thing the Lord does. And just the physical benefits too. Like, you know, we were talking about that before, how you have less brain fog and, you know, you just have more clarity of mind. And so when you fast, there's just something physically that happens in our bodies as well, where we can really just hear from the Lord a lot more clearly. Yeah, so this is the, the first of, of many invitations. Um, if you didn't already make the connection, the 12 days of fasting uh, is year-long, um, 12 months, once a month, 12 days, right? So, uh, but I think that that's a clever, a, a clever title to just show us all to be a part of this, for each, each of us to buy in to one day a month to fast and pray together uh, in unison, praying that God would move, praying that God would, praying that God would heal. Uh, there's going to be different themes each month, correct? Different things that Carissa is going to set up, uh, different uh, emails that she's going to send out where we can be focusing on prayer in unison, okay? And what I'm really excited about is at the end of the year, um, we're, I mean, this year is going to be awesome, right? your biblical literacy, uh, prayer and fasting. Who knows what else God's going to do? I mean, it's, it's exciting, very exciting. But uh, we're going to have a, a Sunday of, I don't know if it's reflection or just check-in, and just, just a panel of, of, of many of us um, that are going to be um, a part of this ministry sharing what God has done, uh, sharing what God uh, did through this year, what he showed us, uh, how he moved, um, and we pray that it's going to be more visible, that people would be able to see the fruit um, throughout the year. So it's very exciting. So one last question. How do people uh, get involved? Um, how do they get in touch with you? Get on an email chain, whatever. Um, I'll be at the information station, so just come and talk to me. I love to talk, so <laughs> um, yeah. Awesome. Thanks, Carissa. I have one more thing. Yes. Um, I just, this verse has been on my heart for about three years now, and I just want to share it with everybody because I feel like, as I was just praying to, I feel like this is a verse and a prayer just for our whole church, and it comes, um, it's Second Chronicles 714, I believe. Um, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, and I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. And I believe in humbling ourselves and coming before the creator of the universe, saying, God, like, I'm going to deny food, and I'm going to seek your face, and I'm going to pray, and I'm going to read your word, and I'm just, I'm here, you know, as your servant then I believe that he is going to do just such a mighty and powerful work, and there's a healing that he wants to do in each and every one of us um, individually and collectively as a church, and that healing will come and be just manifest into something crazy in our community. Not crazy, but crazy good. Um, but, yeah, so that's all. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. All right, let's all stand for the reading of God's Word this morning. We'll be starting this morning uh, in Genesis chapter 12, so you can flip to your Bibles there uh, if you have one. And we'll be starting in um, verse 1. Good morning, by the way, if I didn't say that. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred, and your father's house to the land that I will show you. 
And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all, the families of the earth shall be blessed. You may be seated. So this morning, uh, I wanted to I wanted to talk about uh, not so much the Abrahamic covenant that we just read, um, or even the the covenant uh, that God made with the patriarchs. I wanted to more highlight specifically uh, the the moment at which God really started to bring that to fruition. Right, so He made this. He made this covenant with Abraham. Hundreds of years go by, generations. You know, we see the the tumultuous rise and fall of the descendants of Abraham. We see uh, the twelve tribes being established. You know, we see it start with a family, and the family grows into a nation. And this nation was uh, for God. It was God's people. Uh, ended up being called Israel, governed by God. And, and so it became a, a nation of Israel. And so I wanted to look at, kind of thinking of where we are in the year, I didn't want to give just a, a you know, uh, what's it called? A New Year's resolution uh, sermon per se, uh, but, but maybe have a different twist so that as we are taking stock um, in this time of year, as we are, um, hopefully reflecting as we're thinking towards the future uh, that we could see a moment in, in the history uh, of Israel uh, where, where, they, where they did that, where they took stock, where they um, blessed God and remembered uh, what he did. Uh, because we forget. It's not something that is probably a surprise to anyone. Um, sorry. a little too low for me. There we go. It, we forget, right? That we have to remember so many different things, passwords, uh, addresses, uh, what are some other things, zip codes. Maybe it's just me. I have a terrible memory. Um, but I've, I'm constantly inundated with things that we have to remember, right? The news cycle, how fast is the news cycle? On to the next story. It's a 24-hour news cycle. So we're constantly just um, conditioned to, to just move, 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 to, to not process. We're just fed information constantly. Uh, we're given information constantly from one another. Um, and, and so there needs to be not just one time in the year. Uh, there needs to be several times throughout, throughout our year and throughout our years where we, where we take stock, where we uh, spend time blessing God uh, for all that he's done. Um, so it, we're going to be actually in Joshua this morning. In Joshua, uh, we come to a place. Uh, I'll just kind of set the scene of the story for you. And then we're actually going to read um, huge chunks of Joshua. Uh, I love reading um, the Bible when it's a narrative. Um, because it is so self-explanatory, I just I always feel it's so so rich when we get to read uh, together on a Sunday morning. Um, but to set the scene for you, um, so we have the nation of Israel, right? We all know about the Exodus. We've all seen the Ten Commandments. Uh, we have all hopefully read uh, Exodus. Um, but we see the nation of Israel brought out of Egypt. Um, in extraordinary circumstances, supernatural circumstances, circumstances that for the, for the nation of Israel to ever deny that it wasn't completely God who did it, they would be crazy, all right? We see the, the plagues. Uh, we see the, the splitting of the Red Sea. We have manna. And remember, manna was 40 years. Oftentimes we're thinking, oh yeah, God provided for them. Uh, for uh, for a week or two with this weird manna crisp that no one really knows what it is. That's, you know, the name of it. What is it? 
no one knew what it was, but it was, it, was, it was sustenance. It was food for them. It was nourishment. And God provided that for the, for the people of Israel while they were uh, in the wilderness for 40 years. And on the day that they entered into Can- to Canaan, no more. It's, it's absolutely incredible. And so spend the 40 years in the wilderness— a lot happened then. I'm not going to go over all of that. Um, but coming into the place where they are uh, nearing um, the land of Canaan, the, the, the promised land, uh, we have the death of Moses and the succession of, uh, of Joshua. Um, and there were giants in the land. Just going to be straightforward about that. Uh, they were scared. They were doubting the promises of God. There's leadership change. There's all of these things that are happening. Uh, and so what I really see uh, in, this, in this story, in this circumstance, in this message, is the pursuing love of God and the faithfulness of God and how he's reminding the nation of Israel once again of his love for them, which translate to, translates to us, uh, his faithfulness uh, of his word and his covenant that he had made hundreds and hundreds of years ago, generations ago, um, with people that were no longer alive, okay? So, let's read Joshua chapter 3 and chapter 4. So, <laughs> buckle up, but it's, it's, a great, it's a great narrative. So, then Joshua rose early in the morning, and they set out from Shittim. And they came to the Jordan, he and all the people of Israel, and lodged there before they passed over. At the end of three days, the officers went through the camp and commanded the people, As soon as you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God being carried by the Levitical priest, then you shall set out from your place and follow it. Yet there shall be a distance between you of about 2,000 cubits in length. Do not come near it in order that you may know the way you shall go. For you have not passed this way before. Then Joshua said to the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And Joshua said to the priests, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on before the people. So they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went before the people. The Lord said to Joshua, Today I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that I was with Moses, so I will be with you. And as far as you command the priest who bear the Ark of the Covenant, when you come to the brink of the waters of the Jordan, you shall stand still in the Jordan. And Joshua said to the people of Israel, Come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. And Joshua said, Here is how you shall know that the living God is among you and that he will without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, and the Jebusites. Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth is passing over before you into the Jordan. Now therefore, take 12 men from the tribes of Israel From each tribe, a man. And when the soles of the feet of the priests bearing the ark of the Lord, uh, the Lord of all the earth shall rest in the waters of the Jordan. The waters of the Jordan shall be cut off from flowing. And the waters coming down from above shall stand in one heap. So when the people set out from their tents to pass over the Jordan with the priest, bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people. And as soon as those bearing the Ark had come as far as the Jordan, and the feet of the priest bearing the Ark were dipped into the brink of the water, now the Jordan overflows all its banks throughout the time of harvest. The waters coming down from above stood and rose up in a heap very far away. At Adam, the city that is beside Zarethan, and those flowing down towards the Sea of Araba, the Salt Sea, were completely cut off. And the people passed over opposite Jericho. Now the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firmly on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan. And all Israel was passing over on dry ground until the nation finished passing over the Jordan. 
When all the nation had finished passing over the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Take twelve men from the people, from each tribe a man, and command them, saying, Take twelve stones from here, out of the midst of the Jordan, from the very place where the priest's feet stood firmly, and bring them over with you, and lay them down in the place where you lodge tonight. Then Joshua called the twelve men from the people of Israel, whom he had appointed, a man from each tribe. And Joshua said to them, Pass on before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan and take up each of you uh, a stone upon his shoulder according to the number of tribes of the people of Israel, that this may be a sign among you when your children ask in time to come. What do those stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord when it passed over the Jordan. The waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. And the people of Israel did as just as Joshua commanded and took up 12 stones out of the midst of the Jordan according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel, just as the Lord told Joshua. So, pretty incredible, right? So we see the miraculous happen. We see uh, God once again providing for the nation of Israel to fulfill the promise that he had set uh, hundreds of years uh, prior. I, I think it's so amazing, just even the practical implications as you start to think about um, you know, what happened with the Jordan? What, what happened? It, it, my mind goes towards, okay, well, how can I explain this, right? I kind of go immediately to how did this maybe happen? I guess I'm a skeptic um, at heart and, and like, okay, well, maybe it was just a, like a thing that, that happened uh, when, when it was all just timing, right? Maybe there was a drought or maybe... Um, they were building a dam. It was all just the right time, and, and maybe Joshua knew. But no, this was, it even goes as far to say that this was the time of harvest, that this was a time when the banks were overflowing. The Jordan was a place that you could cross uh, when it was the right time. You know, there were places like any river, places you could cross, places that Israel could even have crossed. But the significance to where God worked this miracle one last time as they were leaving uh, Israel, and I believe it's because God is pursuing God. He's a loving God that he continued to pursue Israel to show them his power, to show them his love for them, uh, to show them his grace, ultimately. He's giving Israel a sign by miraculously damming up the Jordan. Um, and, you know, I, I tend to think of this uh, also in very, I don't know, just a, a practical term for me that, that really makes it hit home is, is, is thinking about my wife and, and, and how I pursue my wife. And, and I don't nearly pursue my wife how God pursues us. But I can, I can tell you for certain that the times that, um, that, that I will make the effort to get her something that she hasn't asked for uh, over and over, or she, she, has, she hasn't made blatantly, um, I see all these heads looking at my wife, sorry, uh, blatantly obvious of, you know, like basically spelling it out, get this for me. But when I put in the time, when I put in uh, the effort, the creativity and the love, and I, and I buy something for her uh, or, or make something for her, which is on a rare occasion, that doesn't ever get thrown away. There's there's a difference between um, the norm and then and then these these special things that I, I believe that she can tell that I'm pursuing her, and that's what's happening here. That as as Israel goes through this this culmination and this in this miracle, it's shown to them once again that the power wasn't with Moses. The power, again, isn't just with Joshua, though God is for Joshua. He's for the nation of Israel, and he's going to accomplish his will through the nation of Israel. And so it's this major moment where they are able to see in their generation, you know, you think about 
the Moses is dead. He was he was the leader that led them out of Egypt. There are kids, you know, that only have stories of the crossing of the Red Sea. And they're the ones that are going to help raise up this new nation in Canaan, the nation of Israel. And they're able to see God's faithfulness. And so he continues to pursue throughout generations. And God does this continually with us. You know, in so many ways, in so many ways, uh, Jesus has, has crossed the Jordan. In so many ways, he has done that work for us. If the Jordan were sin, if the Jordan were perfection, if the Jordan were um, the standard that we need to attain to experience salvation, to experience eternity with God, Christ has done that for us. He has crossed that. He has bared that burden, and he's invited us to the other side. And this, this pursuing love has not ceased. And this is, and this is what I want to draw attention to um, this morning as, as we look at this. Um, is that even an amazing, miraculous feat like this can be forgotten in, I don't know, I don't know the amount of time. I think something like this can be forgotten within a generation. Or they can doubt, was this really all that great? Things like this uh, can be forgotten. And, and unless we make a point uh, to remember, I mean, if you just look at the Red Sea, right? Right after the Israelites moved through the Red Sea, they were complaining. They were wanting to go back to captivity in Egypt. They were wanting uh, to, to go back to the place that they were before because there was milk there. It's insane. So they had walked through a sea, on dry ground. Here we have the same thing, and it's, it's so, so easy to forget um, God's deliverance power. So that begs the question, why do we forget? Why do we gloss over things or dumb things down? Um, we have in Scripture over and over and over again, God reminding us of his faithfulness. God telling us to remember the nation of Israel, right? You go back through the, the first five books of the Bible, Kings, Samuel, Judges, everything to follow, even the prophets, and we see this theme of forgetting, this theme of turning from God, walking away from God, um, and God being faithful to redeem uh, when the nation uh, turns back. But over and over and over again, God asks us to remember his faithfulness. And so I think that the reason that we forget today is often because his faithfulness and acts of love and grace leave out our accomplishments. That we're still prone to this, to this works uh, salvation that as God provides for us, as he is faithful to us, that leaves us out of the picture oftentimes. Sure, we have a problem. Uh, we bring it to God. But we didn't earn that necessarily when God answers prayer, um, when God moves in a way that's, that's hoped for, but honestly unexpected. Uh, our accomplishments, our, our hands, our work, can't really be seen in that. And so I think that that we can forget those because, of course, we remember the things that, that we have done for God uh, in our own strength, in our own power. And so it's, it's so easy for us to remember these things that we've done for God. But the critical thing about that is that in our times where we have a faith deficit, in our times where we, have, where we are back in the wilderness, the remembrance of our work for God is not going to be that, that oasis, that fresh spring of life for us. It's going to be the times that we remember God's faithfulness. It's, I believe that this is one of the most powerful ways that we can minister to our children, if you have children, is, is reminding them of God's faithfulness in your life. I think it's one of the most powerful ways that we can evangelize, that we don't have to, we don't have to, I mean, it's great if you know I'll, I, I'll call them arguments for, for just right now, but if you know all the ins and outs of, of how to 
convince someone of the reality of God or convince someone of the, of the historicity and existence of Christ. But often what's missing from that is just this personal testimony of God's faithfulness in our life. And those are the, those are the areas and the times where I see hearts opened, softened, is when I share with people, okay, I can, I can convince you of God, but let me tell you about God. Let me, let me tell you a time where, where the God of the universe interacted with me, not because I'm special, but because he's loving and pursuing and gracious. And so we need to continually, and this doesn't happen all at once. We can't just physically cross a river and move out of a works-based salvation into this, into this operation of grace, this accepting of grace. It's something that we need to continually do, day in, day out, weekly, be working on how do I uh, operate in this relationship with God based on grace, not based on works. But it is something that we need to continue to move towards and move out of that, that works-based uh, wilderness that we begin in. And I'll share a story of, of, a, of a time that, that I, I, saw God's, I saw God's hand move. And, and to be honest with you, I, I forgot it. Um, and I didn't think until I was studying for this that this was a moment where God had done something significant in my life. And, I, and I've told the story since, since then, but as I was studying for this, I realized, excuse me, got some dry mouth. I realized that, that this was more, that this was a moment that I needed to make significant in my life. That this was a moment that I needed to tell my kids and my kids' kids one day uh, this moment. I just wanted to build some suspense. So um, this, uh, God had put on my heart when I was in Bible college to, uh, to just start praying for, for the nation of Italy, right? No, no small feat. Just pray for the nation of Italy, that's all. Um, I, had, I had had experience with Italy. I had gone there in high school. I studied abroad. I had visited. It was dear to my heart. I loved it. I loved the people. I loved everything about it. When I went away to Bible college, um, God had taken that, that love and that passion for that country and the people, and he had showed me what he was delivering me from, and he was showing me that this is, that this is what this nation is, is dealing with. And that was this works-based salvation, right? And so, and so I was praying for the nation of Italy. And so I'm, I'm at this place where, where I'm, I'm starting to ask my teachers, hey, should I leave? Because I really think I should go. Should I just like quit Bible college right now and just go, just go to Italy? And thankfully I did that, you know, because um, <laughs> if I would have just gone, I think it might have been a, a, bit, uh, a bit foolish. But I, I did seek counsel, and they, they instructed me to, to wait. But they said, you should talk to Dave, though. And this is literally, this is all the same week. They said, you should talk to Dave. I was like, well, who's Dave? Oh, he's a missionary in Italy, and he's here this week. I was like, that's bizarre. Okay. He was on campus, and so I'm trying to find this guy, Dave, and next morning at devotions, Dave's speaking. And so the whole time, I'm just like squirming in my seat, just I can't wait to get up there and talk to him afterward. And so I go up, and I'm just like, dude, I've been praying for you. I've been praying for Italy. I've been, you know, God's been doing these things in my heart. And so we became friends quickly. He went back to Italy, and he invited me out there. And so uh, this was, I think, after my second semester. And, and it was summertime, and it's this kind of great time. And so as I was praying about it, God had just spoken that kind of confident, peaceful word to me that, yeah, you're going to go. Not that things are going to happen and you're going to change the world and that the nation is going to change completely, but it was just this thing that was on my heart was, was to go um, and to search this out, this calling, and to, and to see what God was going to do with it. So I began to tell people, came home, 
Um, I even worked, uh, there's Jim, I even worked for the San Pietros to help me fund it. Um, and, and I was starting to tell people, you know, I tell people they're like, okay, cool. Will you have your ticket? It's like, no. It's like, well, are you going to buy it? Cause it's like a month away. I was like, yeah, I don't have enough money for it. And God had placed in me this faith, um, that I was even going to go with my bags packed to the airport if I had to. Um, and I wasn't afraid of being wrong. I was just, God had just put this confidence in my heart that he was going to do something, that he was going to work. And, and so as time grew near, two weeks, like I had, I had people that started to give me money for it. I hadn't asked for money, but like people my age, I was probably 19, 20 maybe, were giving me like $300, which for a 19 or 20 year old, that's, that's everything, you know, that's like, that's all the food money, um, and, uh, and, and so I just start to see this outpouring, this provision from God, uh, and so I was able to buy my ticket, go over there, and as I look back, that was this absolutely momentous moment in my life, in my walk with Christ, where he solidified so many things, so many promises, so many things that he did in my heart that as I got to see, um, you know, I, I, I was there serving at a, at a small church in northern Italy, but it was, it was just incredibly impactful. Um, another story I'll, I'll be uh, brief about, but what I was, when I was, I was praying about um, my wife, my wife-to-be, this moment where I wanted to date her, uh, I wanted to basically ask her out, this refuge was much smaller back then. Uh, well, it was about this size <laughs> since, uh, since it's pretty empty this morning. But I didn't want to mess up what God was doing. There was a lot of single people. I didn't want to bring any kind of division, so I didn't want to date around. And so I, I, was, I was kind of anxious about, about what to do. And so I was praying, and God spoke to me um, one night, and he said, you know, does, does she come to church by herself, or is she just here for, for the, the social aspect? You know, is she seeking God? Um, does she stay late? Does, is she here long into the service, or is she just kind of checking out? Um, not that that's a bad thing. People have places to go, but this was something that God gave me as I was looking for, um, as I was, I, I guess, observing her. Uh, and does she come to prayer? And so I remember the peace that came over me when I had these things. Like, oh, objectives. These were, these were things that I could watch for, that I could observe as I was getting to know her. And one by one, I just started to see them. And then I remember this moment finally where we were at a prayer meeting one night. And I had told, um, I told a couple of guys. I know I told Char about it. And so there was this one night we were at a prayer meeting, and she shows up. And he's like texting me. He's like, she's here. You know, just like, whoa, this is insane. You know, like these are, I know I had these things, but I wasn't, I wasn't thinking that they would happen. I wasn't thinking that this was going to be it. And that, I remember that as we were dating, I looked back to that often. This word that God gave me. And I looked back to it and it helped me get through um, times of doubt or times of um, where you're learning to be in a relationship with someone and you're not single anymore. And so there's this natural tendency for you to uh, withdraw or, I guess, overthink. And so it got me through those things. Many, many ways uh, that, that God has been faithful. And so how do we remember? We see from this story um, that the nation of Israel... They, they made, I don't know, what would you call it? A stone pillar, right? They stacked up stones uh, from the Jordan. The significance, the significance of that is, um, I think, beautiful. Um, there's even other commentators that, that believe also um, that there were stones taken from without and put in the Jordan. Um, and many commentators think that those were actually crossing stones, um, for other people that are going to be crossing the river to look back to and to be able to cross that once again, um, remembering uh, what God had done. 
But how do we remember, right? We don't, we don't want like a bunch of rocks sitting on our windowsill. We don't want, um, I don't know, we, we can't make a new, a new thing with wood every single time that God is faithful. Uh, they'll be lining our property with those things. But I guess, I guess my point and my, my charge is that we need to not just gloss over these things so simply that this is, this is the season of reflection. This is the time where we're looking towards um, what we're going to be doing in this next year. We're, we're reflecting on our character. We're, we're reflecting on our, uh, our faithfulness. We're, we're trying to resolve, make a resolution, and we're trying to move forward in life. And I, and I really think the way that we move forward uh, in, in the most strength is by remembering what God has done. And that's not just the small faithful acts uh, that happen throughout our life where God answers prayer or God brings clarity or God provides uh, unexpectedly, but it's consistently remembering who we are in Christ. Right? It's remembering what Christ has done. And I don't think that we do that enough. I don't think that that's our fuel for a lot of the things that we do. I think our fuel still continues to come uh, from do better, try harder. And we can attempt great things for God, but we need to be coming from that strong foundation of, of grace in Christ. And so I would invite you um, to add this to your reflection if you are making resolutions. I was thinking about... Uh, you know, the, maybe a theme for this would be resolve to remember. You know, that, that with so many things to remember, it's so important for us uh, to remember who we are in Christ, remember uh, the faithfulness of God in our, in our lives. Um, and I know that, I know for me, as I was thinking through this and thinking about it, you have this idea of, okay, let's sit the family down, We'll talk about this. Maybe we'll make something together and try it, do it. But I know for me, <laughs> for my family, it'll be chaos and, and the kids will be, you know, uh, all over the place and it'll, it'll end up being a point of contention rather than this, this beautiful moment that we share as a family. But, but think through it. Husbands, talk to your wives about this. Talk to your kids about it. What are ways as a family that we can be... Um, honoring God, remembering God for his faithfulness. And if you're single, I don't know. I don't know what, what you should do. <laughs> no, it's, I, I honestly, I think a very, very practical way to do this uh, is, is journaling. I think journaling is, is a, um, a, a lost art and a, um, just a powerful, powerful way for us to, uh, to remember God's faithfulness. And, and so, yeah, I mean, that's my charge. That's, that's, my, that's my conviction. That's my charge is that, that as we look forward, that let's make a point to also look back, uh, even look at the present in ways that God has been faithful, that he's blessed us, um, that he's provided for us, and ultimately that he's provided a sacrifice um, of salvation for us. So, um, before I pray, um, we, we are going to continue uh, to share as, as God leads. Uh, and this morning, um, if God is stirring in your heart or, or does bring something to mind uh, to share, I, I, would, I would encourage that, that we could just encourage one another uh, with with God's faithfulness. If God has been faithful in some way this year um, that you would like to share, I think that that's a powerful thing. So let's pray and um, and, and close out in worship. And Lord, we, um, we thank you for your faithfulness. God, we thank you for your pursuing love. That in, in so many ways, God, we we deem insignificant that we think 
it should look a different way or that we should um, that we should possess the cattle on a thousand hills ourselves, and that would be proof that you love us, that you pursue us, that you provide for us, or that our lives should look a different way, and that the only way to to bring that about truly is by doing it ourselves, God, whatever our temptation may be, however we may be thinking about the future, God, I I thank you for how you've provided. I thank you for what you have done uh, at Refuge and what you're going to do. We anticipate it and look forward to it. God, we're excited about it. I think one of the things we're most excited about, God, is to is to be in unity and to be reading the same thing together, to be praying through these things together, to be fasting together in anticipation of, of what you're going to do, what you're going to speak, and how you will lead us. And so we just pause even now and just remember uh, your faithfulness. Lord, to send your son to die for us that we would inherit eternal salvation, God, through the blood of Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for that over and over again that we can stand before you blameless and as the hymn says, white as snow, Lord. We thank you that it's nothing that we can do, it's nothing we can accomplish and that we can proclaim those things but only as we stand in grace, only as we understand that it's through the cleansing blood of Jesus that we are saved. God, we thank you, and we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.